Hey, I'm Wes, and you're listening to the Stranger Than Fan Fiction Podcast. Side effects may include, but aren't limited to, flight, laser vision, super strength, the powers of God in anime, decreased appetite, hair loss, early onset limb failure, second brain syndrome, and a growing of a massive leg. Obviously, these risks are deadly and ridiculous, so only take this podcast if you're an adult. And now, on to the podcast. Brown pants. Yeah, like his his. his so he's the captain of the ship, and the ship sails. What's his ship named? Mm. Scurvy booty. The I'll say the floater. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the floater. The pinched loaf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The prairie dog. The prairie dog. Prairie dog. That's yeah, a good I like word. the prairie dog. Yeah. Okay. yeah so. Captain Brown Pants and his fearsome sea maiden, the prairie dog. <laughs> and the 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 logo. <laughs> the, the, the mast. You know. Head. Yeah. <laughs> the, the well, the, what's on the mast? What, what, what is it? What it's is it? Like it's a, at the front. It's the. It's the the statue that's at the front oh, of the, the uh, like yeah. mermaid that's not the yeah. Front. yeah yeah I yeah. forget what that's called yeah, yeah but it's just like a little prairie dog just yeah. like sticking a out prairie of the dog hall. on the front and then the mast the 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 symbol on the mast is a pair of brown pants yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> your Jolly Roger is yeah. brown pants yeah <laughs> hello and welcome <laughs> to Stranger Than Fan Fiction where we celebrate the fans and the fiction by reading fiction from fans I be Captain Brown Pants Reese right. Avasi mateys, ye feast your eyes on Boson Dingleberry. Hunter Henriksen. I be first mate Captain Butt Pirate here to steal your booty. Taha Manvawala. And I'm the nervous but yet chipper ship doctor Skidmark. <laughs> well, thank <Yes>. you. <laughs> Wait, first thank mate ye. Captain? First mate Captain's Butt Pirate? Did I say captain? <laughs> you went, I be first mate captain, <laughs> but pirate. I be first mate captain sometimes when the other captain isn't around. First but... mate bosun captain, <laughs> I, doctor. I am captain, Captain Brown Pants. <laughs> this, this be sort of a self-employed ship. We're all, it, this is like the Google ship. We're, we're a bit of a slacks. Bit of a startup, yeah. if I'm going to be honest. We like to delegate office. roles around here. An we anarcho like syndicratic pirate ship. Pirate ship. <laughs> well, as you can see, we are a very successfully comedic podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Improv comedy podcast where we read brilliant fan fiction from around the globe by many startup authors <laughs> and have a really, really <laughs> equally brilliant discussion involving them. Thank you all for joining us again for an amazing episode this week. I just had an epiphany. What? Uh, this well, ship is chasing out. brown gold. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it all comes full circle. Yeah, full circle. Yeah, that we can never get away circle. from poop. You can... <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah, we do. We do tend to. We do tend to circle back on this, don't we? Yeah. It's it's really just the best form of comedy. It, I don't it, think. I don't think anyone can disagree that the feces of the human being is in fact the funniest topic to breach. I mm. mean, one of the most popular mm. forms of jazz is called scatting. So that's true. Mm. It all. It it's, all. It's the lines are there. Human society. <laughs> mm. We love scat. <laughs> Boobity bop boop. Well, there's a there. <laughs> there's something poop. we can bring up. What is what is a 
what's what is a guilty pleasure that you all have that like <clears throat> you it sh you shouldn't think it's funny like it's something that's really stupid that shouldn't be funny mm. but for whatever reason it is for example poop jokes hmm. something that is base disgusting very like a middle school but yeah. it's never not been <laughs> Funny. No, it, it, well, because as we get older, it just becomes more advanced, or maybe it gets dumber. I don't know. <laughs> I think we get more proud of the things that we find like stupid humor, and we're like, you know what? This is fucking funny to me, and yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. You know? you know what? You know what? I proudly proclaim, poop is funny. Yeah. I think I've I think mm. I've become very into like meme culture being mm -hmm. funny. Yeah. And. I, that seems like a guilty pleasure because it doesn't seem like something that people proudly tout like oh yeah do you like memes <laughs> oh bro i love me the fact memes. that you can you can major in meme studies now that's can a thing you really yes you can well yeah um, because it's such a way to influence i was gonna say internet. is it is it considered like a socio like a social sociological it's, study it's evolved into it it's, i mean think about it it's, it's like world culture it is it mm. is humor and current events mixing into and political commentary all in one yeah. fucking thing so and it it's just pervasive it's everywhere you know there's gonna be a tv show one day that's airing on like discovery channel mm. or national geographic that's gonna be like memes from around the world <laughs> and it's gonna be some like do you mean white-haired <laughs> or is some some white quaffed haired guy <laughs> uh and he's gonna be like hi my name's Jeff Whiteman. <laughs> Jeffrey Whiteman. And we're here to be studying memes from around the world. Today, we're going to be traveling to Istanbul, Turkey. It'll be PewDiePie. What? It'll just be PewDiePie. Yeah. PewDiePie when he's like 60. How's it going, bros? Here's my PewDiePie Yeah, version. honestly, though, memes have, to me, in my opinion, either memes have gotten funnier to me or memes have just gotten better. Because memes have gotten really good recently. The world has gotten a little weirder, I feel like, in the last 10 years, which World's has led to a more... bit weirder. Like, before we had Bad Luck Brian, you know what I mean? That's like one oh, of the yeah. original memes where it's just like a nerdy-looking kid, and then they create a little meme format about that. But now, we have like real-life events on video that are becoming memes, like the Twisted Tea Can being right. the biggest one of late. Yeah. It's... Or the bruh sound effect. Yeah. Yeah. And the like the guy the guy on the <laughs> the guy on the Capitol like the guy in the the guy in the horns, the horns. that invaded the Capitol. Oh my God! Yeah, that was like that's becoming a meme. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's crazy shit now is happening, and and people are just memeing for it. So I think I think memes are genuinely funny now, whereas before they were just kind of like here's a funny joke. I feel like it's a great coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. It is. Memeing has gotten us through some shit, dude. Being able to like take uh, any situation be it lighthearted or very serious and make it something you can enjoy mm -hmm. it's like haha wow good thing that happened or else this funny meme wouldn't have showed up right <laughs> i feel like it's Sips a, like fourth cup of that's coffee. the same yeah. kind of purpose as like stand-up comedy you know i feel like it's meme culture is protected in its own way of just like being able to observe and call out things in a way that probably otherwise wouldn't be the most acceptable depending on what it is like what you're memeing about mm -hmm. and I don't know. It's like, it's a sacred thing. They've kind yeah, of become a, a sacred space. They've kind of become like a bit of social currency. Yeah, honestly. <clears throat> well, I mean, you can make money memeing now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's YouTube channels, Instagram accounts that are just people posting memes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. White I, people I, humor. I follow uh, one that has literally like 
over 2 million followers on it. And at that point, there's ads, you know, that yeah. are that are being sponsored by them and and other sites are and other pages are like, "Hey, if you mention us, we'll 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 either mention you or or pay you. We have a large following, we like to grow it." And people are like, "Yeah, cool." That's a that's a recommendation I've seen from people who like run business Instagram like marketing people. Mm-hmm. They're like, "If you want to learn how to market on social media, make a meme account on like Twitter or Instagram or something and get to like get to like you know thousands of followers on that Uh because that will show you how to like reach people when otherwise you have no when you have no starting audience Mm -hmm. because you're just a you're an anonymous name with a meme account looks like we need to start posting memes boys yeah no we need an stff stranger than memes let's go stranger than meme account i'm down for that i've already got a whole bunch of memes one of my favorite ones is like white people when someone (laughs) gives them eye contact and it's like a face and it's just like a Oh yeah, the yeah, 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 the the. You all can't see what we're doing, yeah. <laughs> but trust you me, probably it's very know. funny. You probably they they probably know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. They're stranger than memes. Because I, I remember I made that. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, it showed like the house burning down, and then a picture of Will Ferrell like uh, yelling, and it was like, "Hey, we're doing a uh, a fan fiction podcast. If anybody's interested." <laughs> one oh, of yeah. my favorite is the Will Ferrell crying one, where it's just like one tear. It's that, and that's the whole. It's just that's the whole picture, and then you can caption it with whatever. It's like, yeah, when you, you know, smoke too much weed or something like that. It's just like, yes, you cry. <laughs> Please help. <laughs> when you think of all the times you didn't hit somebody being an asshole with a twisted tea. It's funny. It's funny meme. It's when funny meme. Wa- that's when all. When you funny waste meme. a twisted tea by drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. That's that's the better version of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I got there. I got there. Yeah. Okay. Fuck you guys. I'm going to go start a meme page. <laughs> something that I don't really feel guilty about. It's not a guilty pleasure, but it is something that I I try too hard on. It's when I... Sorry, the phrase hard on just just made me nice. tilt my head. Um, yeah. Uh, it's creating descriptions of events for Facebook. That mm. is something that I put a, an inordinate amount of effort into because, like, if you're throwing a party... Okay, you're throwing like a Halloween party or something. Ooh, okay. Let's talk about this party. Okay, so if you're throwing a Halloween party at your house, you mm. have to be able to draw people in because you want it to be. What time the, is? What time should I get there? I mean, like late. You know, I'm gonna say it starts at like eight, so you, people probably won't start getting there till like. Is nine. Halloween on a Thursday or a Friday this year? Uh, hopefully a Friday. Am I? Is okay. it BYOB? Uh, yes, but. I will also have alcohol provided. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Should I bring something? That are you asking people to bring something? I mean, not for the whole party. Bring stuff for yourself, but I'll have like general things and inv- things there. And the rule that you do to get people to come in: mm-hmm. first come, first serve. Okay. And then people want to get there as quickly as possible so that they yeah. can get some free alcohol. Is it a costume party? It's always a costume party. Okay, but you don't have to wear a costume. No, it's just it's Halloween, so dress up as whatever you want. And what's your address? Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, so my original point was that uh, it became a bit of like a social currency to see who could create the best descriptions for their parties to try and get people to come to their party. Because mm. the better the description was, the more people would be like, oh, yeah, this seems like the kind of party that everyone would want to go to. So it became like a way to actually it you ended up marketing your party by making a really good description for the party and then you have to make like an update uh, like a a couple days before the event just to remind everyone that it's happening. 
That and, was that's uh, the kind we'd of like thing. to use this to segue into our new business, Stranger Than Marketing for Parties. <laughs> Headed up by me. And I can tell you how to make good Facebook descriptions. <laughs> uh, I actually think I'm busy that day. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, if you don't clear your schedule, I'm gonna cause a lot of problems for you. But uh, okay. Yeah, then and then if the description fails, you threaten them. <laughs> And you're good to go. <laughs> no, then party, we just party throwing advice with Reese. No, yeah. then we just we just uh, uh, meme haze you, and we just make memes about Wes not coming to the party. Yeah, the the then it becomes a contest to see you can make the best meme making fun of Wes who can't come to the party. Yeah, and then whoever wins gets, gets to feel the benefit of shaming you yeah, into the either most. coming to the party or just you're describing modern day cyberbully. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That is step 2. You make good description Two. step 1, step 2, cyberbully cyber anyone who doesn't come. <laughs> oh, will will you post that as part of the invite like if you don't come you will get cyberbullied yeah. or is it okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you have to make At least the, there's a disclaimer. There has yeah. to be some social pressure involved. Okay. And by social Excellent. pressure I mean like real pressure. Exert real pressure. Like how many Sit newtons? How many <clears throat> newtons worth? Sixty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> hey. All right, let's do the random. Fandom. <laughs> yeah. Taha, what's random fandom? Random fandom is where we take two things and mash them together real fast. Okay, so I'm good. You uh, Reese, can you slow that down in post? <laughs> Wait, yeah, and sorry, so that we can understand it. Uh, let, let me let me try that again. Random fandom is anything we can yeah, I'll slow that down. That'll for sure yeah, read. Yeah. Yep. I can't wait to hear what that one sounds like slowed down. The episode where we give Reese a whole bunch of extra work to do at yeah. the end so that he hates us. Oh, sounds like fun. Yeah. Random fandom. Welcome to random fandom where we take two uh, contrasting things and then we mishmash them together and see what comes out on the other side. Like poop. I hope you... <laughs> Nice. nice. No. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys know I am going to do that. I am going to slow that down because or, or speed it up and whatever. And just because yeah, I want to. Get... I want to see. I want to hear what I yeah. said. What if I said something like Can totally? You, what you just said. Like I hope you guys know I am going to do that. Can mm -hmm. that just be like an echoey, whispery thing? Do right that. Do that. Happens? Yeah. Yeah. And then add in an entire original soundtrack. Ooh, and yeah. lights. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> Ooh, let's stage it. <laughs> I, I hope that when you slow it down, it turns into like some kind of Cthulhu, like it's a satanic she? code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stranger than then fan. speed that one up. Yeah. I wonder if Satan and Cthulhu <laughs> get along. I feel you. <laughs> okay, and well, let's slow a that one down, yeah. right, guys. <laughs> All right, our random fandom pairing this week is. Final Fantasy and World of Warcraft. Yeah. Two, uh, one Western role-playing game, mo massively multiplayer online role-playing game, mm -hmm. otherwise known as a Morpg, mm. uh, and a mm. Japanese role-playing game, a JRPG, as it's colloquially known. Or as a Jerpg. 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 Both... Hugely popular in the video game scene. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, World of Warcraft was developed by Blizzard Entertainment mm. LLC. I it's, I assume. Yeah, I don't know. Everything's just LLC now that we're talking about doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Final Fantasy was developed originally by SquareSoft and created by, I believe the gentleman's name was Hidetaka Sakaguchi LLC. LLC. <laughs> <laughs> Sakaguchi LLC. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> I, uh, for those of you who don't know what those things are, I'll describe Final Fantasy really quick. I can, I can give a quick yeah, rundown. Final of, Fantasy wow. is basically a series of video games that they are now up to 
15 and there's some there's many spin-offs uh they are not related to each other other than some like tertiary lore and some recurring monsters and stuff but the plots of each of them are very different they're all very japanese style fantasy stories um involving lots of different characters but uh the who, main thing who are some who are some heavy hitters that you well, see a uh, lot yeah like final fantasy 7 is probably the most popular which stars cloud strife who's got a big big sword uh, you can play as him in Smash Super Bros. Smash yeah, Brothers, and then his his friend Barrett, who has a big big gun for a hand, and his other friend Tifa, who has big big boobies. <laughs> uh, so th- that's that's the plot of Final Fantasy VII. Uh-huh. Uh, and now that you know about that, the rest of them still won't make sense. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're pretty wacky. Uh, but the things that I'm going to be focusing on in the AI generated fan fiction when we get to that is some of the the cute little cuddly mascots of the Final Fantasy series, Mm. which are chocobos, which are basically yellow ostriches. Mm. (laughs) And uh, we got moogles, which are these little like cat things with little pom-poms on their heads. And they sell stuff. Yeah, and they got cactuars, which are cactuses. Mm-hmm. That have a face yeah. and arms and legs, so you know weird shit. You following yeah. us? Good, yeah. Reese, <laughs> Reese. What's up with World of Warcraft? Uh, World of Warcraft is it's as a game you said, for nerds, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it <laughs> <laughs> nerds like me. Uh, I played a crap ton of World of Warcraft when I was a younger kid. Hey, crap. A craft ton. A craft ton. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it is, as you said, a massive multi massive multiplayer online role playing game. Um, it was kind of the first of its kind. Not really. There were ones that came before, but this was the one that really put this game type into the public eye because it just picked up so much popularity so quickly. The basic idea is that there are two different sides that are warring against one another. There is the horde, which is like orcs, trolls, undead. They're they're the kind of monstrous races, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're evil. And then the alliance, which they're is like ugly. <laughs> the alliance Subjectively. humans, Subjectively. dwarves, uh, and gnomes, that the more humanoid style races, um, which also doesn't necessarily mean that they're good um, because they, they both have some questionable, mo- questionable moments and good moments and they war back and forth um, and they're led by, uh, the, the horde is led by a guy named Thrall and the alliance is led by a guy named um, Varian. At that time, yes. Yeah, maybe. yeah. It's whatever, but I think they fought in the pits together. Yeah, it changes, it grows, and it's... <laughs> so for those of you who want a quick history, yeah, lesson. <laughs> yeah. It 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 changes around as the story progresses uh, with the various games. I think they're up to like six expansions now. Yeah. Um. So it's still a huge game. It's still very popular. Um. You've probably seen it on the South Park episode, "Make mm-hmm. Love, Not Warcraft." Yeah. That, that was, was, uh, that was huge. the movie that came yeah. that came out. Um, yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. which I, I saw that fucking loved. Yeah. But I mean, I also like Warcraft. Yeah, but let's get to it. Would you Final Fantasy movie that came out a very long time ago that was just awful? I don't even remember it. Oh, Spirit, Spirits Within. No, oh, Spirits Within. I haven't seen that one. It's mm. very bad. <laughs> it has nothing to do with any Final Fantasy game, like every other Final Fantasy game. Uh, okay, so. For here's our AI generated fan fiction TM. Uh, this is what I wrote. Garrosh Hell Scream stared wide eyed at the large yellow bird like creature. The tag on its collar read Chico the Chocobo. He was torn. 
On one hand, he knew the horde would love to taste such tender meat. <laughs> On the other, the saddle upon its back looked very inviting. <laughs> so that's what I wrote. Okay, oh, okay. God. And Good. here's what the computer finished for us. Now, Chocobo, said Garrosh, let's get something to eat. <laughs> After flying high in the sky and traveling to a secluded field in the wastes, Garrosh watched the giant beast drop down from the sky onto the field. When the Chocobo landed, its massive claws went to work. A large, seven-foot-long, cactus-like bush popped up out of the ground and upended, spilling dozens of small, salted chocobo ears. <laughs> the chocobo grabbed the, ch the chitinous hairs with its powerful, fleshy, spiky beak <laughs> and took a mouthful of them. <laughs> so, okay, well, that all makes sense. Unintentionally, the AI kind of generated a cactar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Without without real a cactar that spills that has eaten chocobos. Yeah, yeah and also that's exactly what Garrosh was looking for was the meat, and we had a salted version of the snack, like a like a chocobo that's jerky. He, if you see, mm, he you got know. to ride salted the chocobo, chocobo and and eat it chocobo at the same time. So he got the best of both worlds. He got everything that he needed. The horde is really gonna excel here. Well, soon. well, here's the thing though: if he brings back those salted chocobo ears and lets the horde taste them, are they going to crave more? And the chocobo, which at that point Garrosh would learn to love. I feel like I'd imagine it's a long journey, Chico. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, are, uh, so chocobos are these, these cactus creatures, right? No, no chocobos, chocobos are, are the bird. like bird, yellow ostriches. Oh, the bird thing. What are the cactus ones called? A cactuar. 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 If you eat a cactuar, uh -huh. is that, are you eating vegetarian? Hmm. I mean, they're cacti. So yeah. when, when does it, when does it become... <laughs> I guess, they, I guess they, they must have an organ. Here's, here's a, fun, becomes right? here's yeah. a fun fact about cactuars, at least per Final Fantasy X. Uh, when they're young and just born, they move around and have little arms and legs and mouths. But as they age, they just become cactuses. Wow, what a horrific And they become existence. stationary. And there's like a field of like elder cactuars that are literally just cactuses, but yet can still kind of talk. Well, that's, that's so why sad. like I imagine the horde starting to like harvest these things and yeah. at different life cycles they'd be eating di they'd be carnivorous in their early stages but then herbivores so we're at looking the later at stages another faction joining World of Warcraft and that is the cactuar the cactuar That's... or just fi the final fantasy creatures yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of symbolic of of our own existence isn't it yeah we start also, out Reese. having freedom able to move around, live our lives as we please, and then as we age, we become, we become stifled, <laughs> stiff, living in our own small communities, able to walk and talk, but not truly able to live. And becoming much more prickly on yes. the outside. That is very Less true. receptive. Mm. And we also become Enough. more cactus-like in general. Look at our whiskers. <laughs> yeah. What walks yeah, on four I, legs in the morning, I feel two like... legs in the afternoon, and three in the evening. I feel like Cactuses. these two worlds... Yes. <laughs> I feel like if these two worlds really merged, <laughs> Final Fantasy's corporations would come in and try to take over everything, and then yeah. Warcraft would be maybe that would be the one thing that would unite. Alliance and the Horde unite would be like fuck corporations, yeah, <laughs> and go and attack that. Yeah, they start putting microtransactions in the World oh, of Warcraft no. Oh, Fantasy. Oh no, I can't go to my auction house to get my wool cloth. That's that's, that's what they bring in microtransactions. Yeah. Oh shit! And then, and then Garrosh and Chico team up, and they have to go to Bobby Kotick's office, the CEO of Activision Blizzard. <laughs> 
blizzard and kick his ass. Poor horde! I got a I got a house in my loot crate. What did you get? I got coarse stone. <laughs> <laughs> this is bullshit. Well, that was a really great successful <laughs> merging. I thought that that's, was yeah. Funny, no, I, honestly, I, I, yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> that's that's a hard one. I honestly I had no idea where what to we go were with gonna that talk one. about yeah 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 it's it's difficult to also merge two mmos together because mm -hmm. well final fantasy is not an mmo all well the one time. of them there is, is there is there two of two. them are. same with warcraft warcraft isn't always uh that's true that isn't always an mmo yeah, warcraft either. also has a couple um but but RTSs. those worlds are so big and mm -hmm. their lore is so complex that like finding a way to put them together to include all that isn't something we can do on the show no. so <laughs> It's pretty hard to do, but so instead we'll read fan well, fiction. We did it. Yeah, but instead we did we'll it. take we'll 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 read what someone else wrote because they'll be better at it than us. <laughs> yeah. uh, but thank you for writing that, Wes. That was a smart take. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. you. Jenks, you owe me a soda. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll talk <laughs> later. <laughs> um, so the first fan fiction, the one that I brought, is uh, an Avatar: The Last Airbender fan fiction. Um, just a, a very brief brief thing about Avatar The Last Airbender essentially um, there are four different um, tribes water, fire, earth, and air uh, and each of those tribes has the ability to bend their respective element and control it in very cool and specific ways. And everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Yeah, and then yes. everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Um, and essentially the too long didn't watch version of Avatar The Last Airbender spoilers if you haven't seen the show um, the Fire Nation attacks Aang. Everything changes. Aang comes up. He is the Avatar. Um, they train him in all the ways of the four elements, and he ends up fighting the Fire Lord and defeating him. And that, saving the world. And saving the world. And then Zuko, who is the subject of this fan fiction, and his the Fire Lord's son ends up as the next Fire Lord. Um, and so after after all this took after all this takes place, this fan fiction begins. Um, there is a festival that is supposed to be thrown in regards to bringing all the four nations together. This was a, a festival that's supposed to happen whenever there's a new avatar, essentially, because um, the avatar spirit is like reincarnated into a new a new person once the once the previous body passes into the next into the next realm. Um, and so this fan fiction takes place um, right before and during that festival. Um, there is another bit after this that uh, we unfortunately do not have time to read, um, but we'll talk about that when we get done. Um, so Taha, uh, sorry, it, this one is called The Beginning of a New and Brighter Birth by Alone in the Rain. It was published uh, in 2018, 6-13-2018. Um, Taha, you'll be playing Zuko. Mm. Hunter, you'll be Aang and Toph. All right. Sorry, Ong. <laughs> oh, God. And uh, Wes, you will be playing Katara and Sokka. Ah, Very nice. Brother-sister um, duo. Yes, Katara and Sokka are sister and brother. Aang is <laughs> Avatar. And um, Toph is one of their friends that they met along the way. And Earthbender. Zuko had been looking forward to having his friends in his palace again. They bring excitement wherever they go. However, there's only so much excitement the Fire Nation, a proud and serious country, can handle. A dance? Zuko says flatly. Aang bounces on his toes. From his place behind his desk, Zuko can't see if Aang's feet are on the ground or if he's risen a few inches off the office floor. His weightlessness stopped being strange to Zuko months ago. Sometimes, though... He sees the palace staff's bewildered faces as they watch Aang flit about the high-ceilinged palace as though unaffected by gravity. It was one of my favorite things about the Fire Nation. 
There would be grand festivals every year. Aang pivots on his heel and falls into a loosely structured dance, hands swaying in the air. There were dozens of dances. Everyone would come together to celebrate and dance, and there would be brilliant lanterns strung up everywhere, and so much food. And, and now, people in the Fire Nation don't even know how to dance. I don't know these dances either, Zuko says, and only just stops himself tacking on, and I have no desire to learn. I know them, though. Aang says. And other people have to know them too. It can't have all been forgotten. Aang is still twirling around his spacious office like a cherry blossom petal caught in the wind. Aang always bounces from place to place effortlessly, appreciating cultures and making friends everywhere he goes. He's a likable kid. He belongs everywhere. It's easy to forget that he's the last of his people, the only person left who remembers his culture and customs. Some knowledge remains in the Air Nomad scrolls and artifacts that survived the attack and centuries of pillages, but there are pillagers, sorry, but there are large chunks of Air Nomad culture that will never be recovered. Zuko's culture had been stifled, he supposes is the right term. The war had eaten away at all of the nations. He still remembers the Southern Water Tribe, a shrunken village made up of women, children, and the elderly, tiny compared to the mighty force of the Northern Water Tribe. Across the globe, blood had been spilt and families decimated. In comparison, the Fire Nation losing traditional dances and festivals feels small, incomparable. But it still nags at Zuko. Well, Zuko begins. No one has much money at the moment, especially the National Treasury. It won't cost much, Aang says. Food vendors would jump at the opportunity to set up stalls during a festival. Zuko considers this. Hmm. It may encourage spending. You might need some lanterns for decorations, but you're all firebenders. It won't take much to keep them lit. It's making sure everybody knows the dances. That's the main issue. I have the contacts of a few cultural experts. I assumed most of them would be concerned with maintaining traditions like my coronation ceremony. But if we're reviving old dances, then maybe I could talk with them? Aang watches him rifle through his scrolls and mutter under his breath about planning and approval and city plans. A smile blooms over his face. He jumps so high his fingers brushed the ceiling. We're having a party! Maybe, Zuko corrects. But nothing can put a damper on Aang's excitement. He dances around the office, commanding the wind with every artistic placement of his feet. We're maybe having a party! <clears throat> the, festi the festival begins in the late evening. Vendors have set up their stalls, musicians are strategically posted throughout the city so music can be heard wherever you go, and lanterns hang in ropes, bathing the streets in soft candlelight. There will be dancers, later. Masters of the long-forgotten craft will coax people into an easy rhythm after the first dance of the evening has finished. Uncle has returned to the Fire Nation for the festival. He sets up a stall a few minutes from the city center. It's large and comfortable with canopied ceilings and low tables and lounges for customers to sit on. Tiny lights float through the air like fireflies, low enough to avoid the flammable gossamer draped along the top of the stall, but high enough to avoid the heads of passing customers. Precise firebending like this takes years to master, but Uncle manages uh, but Uncle manages it without even sweating. Uncle has pinched his favorite servers from the palace kitchens without telling Zuko. They all look happy to work for Uncle, serving tea and talking to customers, so Zuko doesn't nag Uncle about protocol. Uncle moves between tables to check on his customers. Everyone is flushed with warmth from the tea, from the floating lights, from the contagious energy of the festival, and they open up under Uncle's friendly attention. Uncle is in his element here. It settles something in Zuko's chest to see Uncle so at peace. Zuko meets his friends in Uncle's stall an hour after the festival begins. He has reserved a table at the back for them. Gossamer is draped over the table like a curtain, separating them from the throng of customers. 
Aang tells him about his Fire Nation friends that he invited to the festival. He says they'll arrive soon. Zuko isn't sure how Aang managed to make friends while hiding in enemy territory, and when Katara and Sokka pitch in to help tell the story, he's still not sure he understands. Zuko squints at the pale green tea cupped between his hands. What did Uncle put in this? It can't just be tea, because I could have sworn you just said- Katara cocks her head to the side like she thinks Zuko is especially slow. Sapphire fire, yes. Sapphire fire, Zuko repeats. Sokka rubs at his bare upper lip like he's twirling an invisible mustache. And I'm Wangfire, her curmudgeonly husband. We're from the colonies. Wang, Zuko says in a strangled voice. Be beside him, Toph cackles and thumps at the table with her fist. Realistic Fire Nation names, right, Zuko? Katara's head is still cocked. Her expression is innocent. Zuko knows when he's being mocked. How did you all avoid being caught? Hey, our disguises were great, Sokka says. We've always been good at hiding in plain sight. You know, Zuko says, I regret my actions in bossing Say, but I'm kind of relieved I didn't have to watch you four pretend to be Fire Nation citizens. It would have given me a stomach ulcer. I thought we did pretty well, Aang says. Sapphire fire, Zuko repeats again. The names were Sokka's idea, Katara says. But in this family, we stick with each other's false identities, no matter how ridiculous. Aang snickers and elbows Katara, so Zuko assumes he missed out on months' worth of outrageous aliases while he was chasing them around the globe. But really, Sapphire Fire? Was this the kind of stealth techniques that eluded him for so long? I wish Zuko could have been there, Toph says. I wanted to hear his dumb voice when he had to dress up and use whatever crazy name Sokka gave him. Hearing the Fire Nation prince address himself as Mr. Fire? <laughs> Priceless. Sokka continues stroking his invisible mustache before snapping his fingers and pointing at Zuko. I got it! Phoenix Fire! Kuzan's older brother, my eldest son. Badass. Toph says. Son? Zuko says. I'm older than you. Hey, watch your tone, young man. I will take you over my knee if I have to. Katara places a hand on Sokka's shoulder. <laughs> Wang, be patient with the boy. You know he's sensitive. Toph chokes on her laughter, bent almost in double. Aang's lips are pressed together, trying to stop himself from laughing in Zuko's face, since he is apparently the only decent friend at the table. He's turning faintly blue from lack of air. Zuko is glad they're not out in the open, so his people don't have to watch their Fire Lord being laughed at. Please stop pretending to be my parents, Zuko says. It's so wrong. Sokka turns to Katara and shakes his head. Our boy is so disrespectful. We should have drowned him in the well when we had the chance. I take it back. You sound just like my dad. Zuko runs a hand through his hair and laughs. Although he's prob he'd probably say something about giving the drowning thing another shot if I didn't improve. I mean, Azula actually did try a few times. And Ozai liked to watch and give her pointers about how to hold me down, so props for accuracy. He laughs, but then breaks off awkwardly when he realizes none of the others are laughing with him. Let's move on from that before I start crying, Sokka says loudly, and from the tight set to his jaw, Zuko thinks he might actually just start crying if he thinks too hard about what Zuko just said. Did Azula actually try and... Aang says, like the idea is so incomprehensible he can barely put it into words. Zuko fiddles with his cup. We had a lot of ponds and fountains around the palace. Azula got bored easily. And Ozai stood there and encouraged? Katara cuts herself off. Zuko clears his throat. <clears throat> I, I shouldn't have brought it up. Sorry if I made you guys uncomfortable. That's okay, Aang says. A stifling silence hangs over them. You know, 
Katara says abruptly. Sokka actually glued the mustache and beard to his face for the disguise. The subject changes unsubtle, but Zuko appreciates it nonetheless. Oh? Yeah. Or, yeah, it was stuck to him for three days. Katara! Sokka squawks. The image of Sokka going about his day with a fake beard glued to his face pops into Zuko's head, and he laughs so suddenly that tea gets sucked into his lungs. The tense atmosphere fizzles away. Mm. Oh, man. I like this. Aww. It's a it's it's really really wholesome. Friendship. I, it it's was written very well. In yeah. Terms of like it really captures an episode. Yeah. Know? It it is I, the whole thing is written incredibly well, and it was very very difficult for me to choose a section of it uh, to put in. I really wanted to use that that bit of them having tea and and messing with each other and teasing Zuko and all that stuff. The part I wanted to discuss shortly after that. The part that I also really wanted to put in was the actual dance mm. um, because it is beautifully narrated. And then Zuko has a very tender moment with Uncle to end things off. Uncle oh. Iroh oh, uh, at the end to to top things off. And it's just gorgeous. And I had the idea, um, since at this point we'll have our mini episodes going, our mini sodes going on, that we can read that last bit as one of the mini sodes and, oh, yeah. and talk about it there. So, so if you if want you, to hear that, yeah. be sure to donate and subscribe to our Patreon yeah, where just, you'll have access us to those mini episodes and more yeah and because it's a it's it's really a beautiful bit and i really wanted to do it but i feel like for this format the the conversational part worked out better but um yeah so this is just just beautifully written in my opinion and um it it gives a nice like zuko is a huge zuko is a huge character in the fan fiction community people love writing about zuko oh yeah and i mean yeah he's yeah he's the best he's one of the coolest characters well, for sure he's got the best redemption arc in any story that i've ever seen right it's so good yeah. avatar the last airbender is just as much about zuko as it is about ang yeah yeah about or his about ong. his growth as a character <laughs> ong. ong and, and zuko <laughs> yeah yeah and and everything uh everything prior to this in, in this fan fiction is um basically zuko coming to terms with being the new Fire Lord mm. and seeing how everything used to be run by his dad and his dad's predecessors mm -hmm. and just seeing how fucked up everything do you know, is. Do you know how timely this story feels? That I just, I love, what I love about Avatar is the, the cultural significance that each of the nations have, mm -hmm. you know, like the air nomads have their own very unique culture as opposed to the, the water tribe, as opposed to the earth nation and the fire nation. I love that the, the narrative of this story post-war, because there was a war happening all of this time that Aang was gone until he defeats uh, the Fire Lord. It's it's a reclamation of the culture that was lost. Mm -hmm. It's Aang's responsibility, like trying to remember things of the past when he was alive and bringing back old traditions that Zuko wasn't even aware of Yeah, with the Fire Nation and bringing back a country that was so uh, obsessed with war uh, that they just lost sense of the things that the, I don't know, the monikers of peace well, and like what comes with that. That's the interesting thing too, is like the general citizenry of the fire nation thought that the war was about spreading their culture. Like a lot yeah. of them didn't know. And then what was they happening. They realized that they didn't even have one. Anymore. But then everything changed when they realized that the fire when nation had attacked. attacked. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's, I feel like, um, I just I watched Chernobyl recently, and one of the big problems in that was that like the at, at that time the 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 USSR was like we can't do anything wrong, 
so they never wanted to admit a mistake yeah uh and there was this like air of perfectionism and i feel like the same thing kind of happened with the fire nation they were like are we are the cultural mecca of the world we have the best things yeah. uh and perfectionism became kind of the cornerstone of their teaching and whatnot and in doing so a lot of the culture and the art and all that started to fade out mm. which is really fucking it's, sad it's it's interesting thinking on it from a comparing it to our own world mm. sometimes because the this idea of the the world in avatar at this point is all about a coming together of mm. everybody and celebrating each tribe each nation for the cultural contribution contributions yeah. that they've made and this is about kind of welcoming the fire nation back mm -hmm. as like hey we understand that mistakes were made but we want to welcome you back as a part of the world and it's something that's that's unfortunate in our own world that it often feels like other cultures kind of keep to themselves mm -hmm. or are are encouraged to keep to themselves like there's very much like a we don't want your mm -hmm. your culture to be here especially especially coming from the united states right there's very much this this idea that the united states is like well we're the u.s we're our own thing keep your stuff to yourself and like you can why... do it but like we don't want to celebrate it's... it we want to celebrate our own stuff which which we don't have any of our own stuff which exactly. is the ironic it's, part it's, it's you know? the, the whole thing. purpose of our country was the melting pot like that yeah. that whole idea of just celebrating other cultures that come here and letting those things contribute to true unity like what that actually means mm -hmm. like that the, the the fucking I don't know. That whole idea is so represented and so well told in Avatar, and it's such a good parallel between East and West uh, uh, ideologies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Did you also hear what uh, they officially changed the melting pot uh, oh, idea did they? to? Uh, yeah, it was. I learned about this in tenth grade that uh, we're no longer the melting pot; we're the salad bowl. Or oh, we have a bunch of different ingredients we're a that all we're a little retain healthier. their individual. <laughs> Just, I don't know, characteristics. It doesn't get mixed together. It's just all put in the same bowl. Yes. Uh, Which okay. I'm like, you know, now that I think about that, now that we're saying it right now, that does kind of push this idea of separation. Which, yeah. which is, I know that they were trying to be like, oh, we're not a mix, but we and are. You know, and you, you know? know what that means? You know what that means? Means that white people are lettuce. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ew. <laughs> like iceberg lettuce. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. God. And that means. Brown Why should people you be proud of that? And Balsamic. What, and what happens? <laughs> what happens in a salad bowl? Gets covered in in cheese, in dress, yes, in croutons and, and dressing. The things that people actually like yeah. to eat. Nobody like, likes the lettuce. Nobody wants the lettuce part. <laughs> I like the iceberg lettuce. I like the. I like it. it gives too. a nice crunch, a crispiness to it, if you will. That's the thing, Racist. yo. I think. <laughs> We all thank you for killing my bit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I we all need I each also other. I just don't like. Lettuce. I think we all this is my thing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I'm of of the mind where all of this together because I say this from the perspective of some as a first generation who grew up in this country in two different worlds and what mm -hmm. that actually means mm -hmm. of the salad bowl melting pot whatever. Like mm -hmm. I have a a pretty good idea of how people are really receptive to that idea. And I've seen the good and the bad, Yeah, but the good is actually really fucking cool when it happens. Yeah. Like I love 
like getting to share culture with another person, educate people about it and have them be receptive to the idea and and find something new in themselves because mm-hmm. of it. Like that's so cool. I mean, like, I've loved I even just from the perspective of like sharing my my rural background, like my my country all of your log cabin stories yeah yeah sharing all that stuff here and then also being able to like bring you guys home to my like where my parents live now down in down in sadieville that's like because that was such a foundational part of who i am as a person is growing up in basically the middle of fucking nowhere and all those ridiculous little stories that i have pretty much all of them happened in that short period of time and so yeah i can i can imagine that yeah sharing culture to me is it's it's great it's important it's it's what creates a a society Mm -hmm. it's something that i hope that our our world gets a bit more confident in doing Mm -hmm. you know yeah like i I feel like i feel like we're getting there yeah but i i want the sharing of cultures and 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 an eagerness to participate in the sharing Mm -hmm. of cultures yeah Mm -hmm. to be more of a popular thing yeah i want to get back to the melting pot personally yeah Yeah. i like it because some yeah. some things it's like comfort is nice. It's nice to have your comfortable space, but it's I think it's also super important to go out of that comfort zone and experience something that you've never experienced before. Mm-hmm. Eat it's foods a, it's a way that to you've make never eaten. A better person. Yeah, like yeah. that's what they more always well, say. Yeah, more well-rounded, more worldly, more mm-hmm. culturally diverse. They say literally like one of the best cures for bigotry is travel. Exactly. You just got to go places. Yeah. yeah. You know, experience, so, their, experience different things. I hope, I hope that that's something that we can we can be a little bit more like the Fire Nation. Except the, minus the, the warring parts. Yeah, minus well, the warring parts. We've there. already yeah. been. <laughs> I guess it's America. We've already, yeah. 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 Hopefully, yep. hopefully after. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully post, post-war post Fire Nation is what we can be. Well, well, Reese, that was a really nice story. Do you want to, one more time, give us the name of the story and who wrote the story? Uh, yes, it was... Do, 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 do. The beginning of a new and brighter birth by Alone in the Rain. So thank you, Alone in the Rain. An apt title. Yes. Very, nice. very, very well done. Yes. Yes. Beautifully written. a really nice conversation. Too. Can't wait to return to this one. Yeah, me neither. Mm-hmm. Wesley! All right, so taking a complete uh, 180 from that. <laughs> so what wholesome and sweet... Uh, this this actually Thoughtful. is a little wholesome and sweet. Uh-huh, We're not going to uh-huh. get to the wholesome sweet part of it. But it's there. Uh, we're mostly just going to get to the dumb funny part of it. <laughs> uh, but this is called "The Answer to Both Your Questions" by Warrior Poet. Uh, this was published on December twentieth, two thousand eleven. Uh, this is a story, a fan fiction about the Saturday Night Live character Stefan. Where do you find this shit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, for those of you who don't know, uh, Saturday Night Live is a weekend variety show. It's a sketch comedy show. Uh, and Stefan is a character popularized by Bill Hader, a uh, very popular comedian. Uh, right and, South Park. Yeah, yeah. He's done a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and Stefan is sort of a cultural icon in New York City. Uh, he goes and finds all of the latest and greatest hot spots. Uh, usually wears his graphic tees with mm-hmm. his long sleeve undershirts. Uh, he's cool. got his almost like Justin Bieber hair, but it's like yeah, dye. He's, he's got like, like gelled slicked yeah. hair off to the mm. side. Yeah, 
He's uh just he's, look up pictures of Stefan. Yeah, look up Stefan. There's a lot of bits on YouTube that you can find of Stefan <laughs> if you haven't seen it. It's hilarious. One of the one of the funnier SNL bits. Yeah. Uh, and he often would come on to the weekend update section with Seth Myers, uh, another comedian, and they would kind of have a back and forth where Seth Myers would ask him, Where should I go for where should I bring my family for Thanksgiving? <laughs> and Stefan would say, Oh yes. New York's hottest club is spicy <laughs> and proceed to tell about all the things that are in New York's hottest club. Uh, so for this reading, Hunter, you're going to be Stefan. Excellent. Taha, you're going to be Seth Myers, and Reese, fuck you, you're not in this one. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and get started. So before, actually before we get started, the little preamble to what just happened Seth Meyers' girlfriend just broke up with him. Oh, so I know. I'm I'll sorry. be the laugh track. I'm sorry, Seth. I like that. Uh, so I won't, I won't be the laugh track. <laughs> so <laughs> Seth finally has taken up Stefan on his offer to go out on a Saturday night clubbing with him. Oh, damn. So this is what You're happens. Skipping work. This is happens when Seth Meyers and Stefan go out clubbing together. <laughs> it turns out that place is New York's hottest club, and well. Seth doesn't catch the name, but Stefan makes a noise that sounds like a goose in a knife fight with a capuchin monkey. So it's something like that. Stefan doesn't really tell Seth much about it on the cab ride to Sobo, Sobo Nobro. <laughs> For once, he holds back on the details, only saying, There are some things that even I can't describe, Seth Myers, with a satisfied little smile and his eyes wandering over Seth's body. <laughs> Seth doesn't know what to make of that. He looks out the window and tries to figure out exactly where he is and why he's never heard of this neighborhood before, when suddenly the cab jolts to a stop, and a man wearing a torn burlap sack bangs a polka-dotted bag on the hood of the cab, his matted hair flying in clumps around his red, raging face. Sobo no bro, hobo, <laughs> Stefan explains. He pays the driver and takes Seth's hand and pulls him past the line of bored and colorful people snaking around the block. A disintegrated leather boot whizzes past Seth's shoulder just as Stefan takes him through the unmarked door. The man cackles behind them like some kind of ungodly hellspawn. Aren't they amazing? Stefan sighs. All Seth can say is, um, and then, when his eyes still aren't quite adjusted to the light, or rather the complete and total lack of light, inside, and all he can hear is an unusual amount of silence, he says, So, what is this place, Stefan? This is, and then he makes that sound again, which is about a thousand times scarier when he heard, when he heard in pitch darkness, the next best thing from club owner Ted Scrugent, and it has everything. I can't really see anything. It's got jivers, boxers, floor tiles, plastic fruit orchards, tall Vern Troyer, Breislers. Breislers? You know, it's like that thing where control freak brides finally snap and convert their dresses into functioning vehicles and race to the death fueled by their own desperate perfectionism. Uh, okay. And why is it so dark? You can't see anything? No. Oh, Stefan says. Seth feels Stefan's hand slip into his again, and then he hears close to his ear. That must be the tude lighting. Seth sighs. Do I want to know? It's like mood lighting that works like a mood ring and runs off your attitude. You have a bad attitude, Seth Myers. How can that possibly be a thing? See? Like that? Seth 
Seth thinks he rolls his eyes. It feels like he does. But since he can't see anything, it's a little hard to tell. Uh, what's the light like for you? Shiny. <laughs> right, of course it is. Seth chews his lip and convinces himself that nothing is going to jump out at him like some half-assed haunted house. So, is it going to be like this all night? He feels Stefan's breath on his neck, and an unexpected shiver set spreads from the point of impact. That's up to you. Hmm? Close your eyes. What's the point? I'll do it for you. Despite his claim to having full use of his shiny, shiny vision, Stefan's hand fumbles over Seth's face, and Seth really doubts that the finger that slips into his mouth is there by accident. <laughs> the hand finally settles over Seth's eyes, and, De and Stefan nudges him forward. Walk. Seth stumbles and holds his hand out in front of him like a zombie on a brain-seeking mission, hindered by a club kid clinging to his shoulder. Uh, where are we going? That's not the question you asked, Seth Myers, Stefan whispers. You asked, why the hell not? And now you're going to find out. Yeah, well, he did ask that. So he lets Stefan push him along, the jittery drumming of his fingertips against Seth's arm, playing out the beat of some song that Seth doesn't quite hear yet. His shoulders feel tense where Stefan's fingers keep time, and so he takes a deep breath and relaxes a little bit. Okay. Stefan's breathy voice makes Seth shiver in the darkness. Keep going. He can hear the music now. Kind of. A steady, rhythmic, thumping wail that is just audible over the shuffle of his stumbling feet. What is this music? Do you really want to know? Sure. It's Dubby Checker. Dubstep Chubby Checker remixes mashed up with the authentic recordings of Belgian children playing at the bottom of a well. <laughs> all placed on a heavy bed of Inya samples. It's the best thing. Seth keeps his comments to himself, and he soon sees a light peeking between Stefan's fingers. Can I look now? You can see. Yeah. It's working. Yay, Stefan cheered you up. I guess so. Stefan stops his forward movement with a squeeze of Seth's shoulder. Okay, here we are. The music seems to swell just as Stefan moves his hand, and Seth's eyes are assaulted by light and color and movement and just everything. A woman in a hollowed-out wedding dress being driven by a man with boxing gloves slung around his neck and a small white dog on his lap. A six-foot-eight-inch bald man in a gray jumpsuit. Uniform rows of dusty plastic trees stretching to the walls. Shiny, waxy apples and oranges and peaches dropping from their branches. The light shifting color and intensity as patrons pass under it from total darkness to a deep rose pink to blinding bright fluorescence all set to a skittish, heavy bass beat and the word twist, repeated over and over and over under echoing Belgian laughter. <laughs> so, Stefan says excitedly, his hands fluttering around his jaws. What do you think? It's, uh... Seth shakes his head, trying to clear it, or maybe trying to wake himself up to find he's actually alone in his bedroom with a high fever or a poor choice of late-night snack food. I think... <clears throat> I think I know now why the hell not. Yes! Yes, 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 I told you. Stefan shakes Seth's arm, his hands sliding down Seth's sleeve until his hand is sandwiched between Stefan's, his skin hot, his grip tight. Come on, you need to drink, Seth Myers. There's a fish tank in the bar, but instead of bright tropical fish, or even your regular run-of-the-mill goldfish, it's filled with model airplanes and tiny plastic toy soldiers with no apparently consistent historical theme. <laughs> Seth stares at it, watching the battle between a tiny Confederate soldier and a tiny green army man caught together in a bubble stream. 
He's so hypnotized that he's startled when Stefan squeezes his hand and draws his attention to the bartender. That's Brie Harvey Oswald, he says, pointing to the short girl with even shorter hair, parted in the middle and straight over her ears. She wears a blue work shirt buttoned up to her throat and a scowl. By the tone of Stefan's voice, Seth figures that he's supposed to be impressed. Uh-huh, he says. She's really good with shots. He almost groans at that. He wants to, but then Stefan is pulling him to the bar. He doesn't order with words or even sounds. He kind of flicks his head and raises one eyebrow, crosses his eyes, and then does something like finger jazzercise with a hand not holding Seth's. Brie Harvey Oswald gives Stefan a nod, her eyes darting sideways to Seth before turning to the wall of bottles behind her. Turn around, Stefan says. Nobody is supposed to know what she does. Is that safe? Seth asks as he turns his back to Bree and the fish tank, his eyes taking in a row of shiny apple trees and a speeding Breisler. Trust me, Stefan says with an exasperated groan. It's going to get dark again if you're not careful. Okay, Seth swallows. His ears pop and the music gets louder. He squints into the light and looks over at Stefan who is looking back at him with wide eyes and a mysterious little smile. This is fun. I'm going to have fun. You are. Stefan covers his smile with his hands, but Seth can still see it. It's catching. He smiles too. Bree clears her throat behind them and slams two shot glasses filled with something red and orange on the bar. Seth does the, Seth does the shot. It tastes like cinnamon and pennies. The room spins a little bit. The apple trees and the orange trees and tall Vern Troyer all merging together. It feels like his bones are made of air. He does another shot. Stefan keeps holding his hand. And that's the end of this little segment of the story. There's Man, a little wow. bit more that happens uh, after this, but it's it's a lot of the same kind of Stefan and yeah. Seth Myers getting into hijinks. What a wild fucking yeah, ride. Crazy. Oh I love it. Bryceler. <laughs> so really quick, uh, I just want to say to to Warrior Poet, if these are all your original bits, uh-huh. very funny. Yeah. Very, Incredible. very, very good. Uh, I'm going to operate under the assumption that they are, because when I looked up these particular bits, I couldn't find anything. Uh-huh. So freaking hilarious. Very good. Should be very writing impressive. for SNL. Right. I know. Seriously. Honestly. Uh, so uh yeah, so that's a little a little story from there. Do you guys have any thoughts, initial thoughts about it? I have a couple things I want to talk about. Did did we ever see any of the places that Stefan is describing in any SNL skits? No. Like did no, they ever go to one? This is the first time it's ever this, oh, man. this is it coming to life. This is what fan fiction's all about. It people. reminds it reminds me of Big Fish. Yeah, yeah, a little bit I like get Big that Fish. Vibe. Yeah. yeah, where like yeah, he tells like... these super ridiculous, colorful stories, yeah. and everyone's like, "That sounds like horse shit," and then you get taken, <laughs> and you're like, "Whoa, it's yeah. all true." Yeah, I, fuck, I need to go back and watch. New Big York's Fish, hottest yeah. club is. <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, really quick, something we didn't do that I was about to interrupt and do. Uh, can we go around and everybody uh, tell me what they think the sound of this club is? Oh, yeah. How's it described again? Uh, oh, yeah. It is described as a noise that sounds like a goose in a knife fight with the with a capuchin, I think it's capuchin, monkey. Mm-hmm. All set to a skittish, heavy bass beat and the word twist nope. repeated no, over that's, and that's, that's the music. The, oh, oh that's this the, is the name of the club. Oh, this the, is name the name of the, of the club. club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, okay. a, it's a goose in a knife fight with a monkey. What does that sound like, Taha? Goose what does that sound like to you? In a knife fight with a... 
<laughs> okay. okay. Hunter, what do you think it sounds like? Um. <laughs> so New York's hottest club is that? Is that. Okay, Reese, New York's hottest club is... <laughs> so somebody won that fight. Yeah, I know. There was a winner at the yeah. end of it. That's very good. Uh, so the, uh, the question I had for all of you guys, uh, if you're comfortable with it mm. in the last couple of minutes before we end this episode, do you have a wild, crazy party story for us? <laughs> just like, just like a cra- that you that you'd feel comfortable sharing, of course, but just like a wild, mm. drunken frenzy that you had once. I do. Okay, great, Hunter. Give us your wild, crazy party I story. Do. You guys want me to go first? I yeah. mean, you have it. Fucking go for so it. So let's set the stage. Yeah. It's my freshman year. I just started drinking several months before this, so uh-huh. I was still very new to it. And shots were also something that I had not exactly experienced. Uh-huh. So on my second or third party where I had done shots, the second or third time I'd ever done shots, I got to such a lovely set of drunken stupor where everybody around me was just my favorite person. (laughs) I was going around and kissing all of these people on the cheeks. Just the cheeks. Uh Nothing else happened. Which cheeks? Just the left cheek, I believe, for most people. Top or bottom left? Top or bottom cheek. Oh, oh, no, no. Face cheek. <laughs> Top cheek. Top cheek. Top, Top cheek. Excuse me. Can you bend out? Turn around and bend over Let me kiss me? your cheeks. <laughs> well, I happened to be here at the time with somebody who uh, who will rename, remain unnamed was my ex-girlfriend. And we were trying, we were maybe figuring out if something was going to happen again between us. And another person who was there was another ex-girlfriend from years before that uh-huh. uh who we were just good friends at this point and i saw her and i was like hey insert name here and i kissed her on the cheek uh-huh. and i was like this is so great and she was super drunk i was like i know isn't it and then suddenly i felt my form being whisked away by a mighty tug oh, no. and i was like where oh, mighty tug. what is happening here where am i going uh-huh. and i found myself being pulled into the kitchen of this house where i turned to see what was pulling me and then felt my entire head snap as if it was continuing in that direction. As I looked back writing my vision, there was the uh, first ex-girlfriend mentioned in the story looking at me with rage in her eyes. Uh And she was like, how dare you kiss another one of your Uh ex-girlfriends in front of me? Uh We were not dating at the time. And it was at that moment when she pointed that out to me that I realized she had hit me across the face with the might of a thousand suns slapped me so hard because now this person, the the other ex-girlfriend was like the fourth or fifth random individual that that I had had kissed kissed. on the cheek. Nothing was supposed to happen from that, but it apparently invoked such a jealous rage that I was given a smarting thwack across my face. (laughs) Fortunately, you were drunk enough that you didn't feel it. I didn't feel it at all, but it was very strange to see my vision go from turning to see what it was to then a quick... to way over here, and I had no idea what like, happened. How did I look mm. over there? That is exactly what I thought. <laughs> I was incredibly confused. Why am I looking over here? Yeah, who that's are you? What it was, <laughs> and it was a it was a, a mighty mm. whack. Now that would have been a really funny thing to just like a continuous stream of slaps. Yeah. Whoa, like, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> why do I why do I keep looking other ways? <laughs> very nice, very nice. Anybody else have a little a little fun story to share with us? <sighs> It, that they feel comfortable sharing. So I can. I mean, yes, I feel comfortable sharing this one. It's just kind of nasty. Um, nice. Yes, let's do it. So <laughs> go like, Ew. if you uh, are grossed out by 
by any by throwing up and and the idea of it, then I recommend just skipping to the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I yeah, I got really drunk one night. Um, didn't uh, didn't it, it wasn't terrible. I was just I was just really drunk. Uh-huh. Um, and I felt it. I felt it bubbling up within me, mm. and I was like, uh oh, here we go. And I was in an unfamiliar house. Oh, and it was late scary. at night. Yeah, I was in a house. I mean, it was in a house that it was my first time there. Um, people you don't I trust. How you got to this house? Yeah, no, it was fine. Like I was, I was pretty much within control of my wits, but I definitely had drank too much. Um, and the bathroom door, as I got up and I go to the bathroom, the only bathroom that I know of in that house, as it was my first time there, it was closed and locked. Uh-oh. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> but it was already happening. Oh no! And so I threw up in my own mouth. As I was knocking on the door. So like puffy cheeks and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I threw up in my mouth and then I looked around in a, in a panic <laughs> and I couldn't ask anyone, where is the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> so I calmly but quickly walk outside. I walk all the way through the house, find a back door that I'd never found before. Look around. There's no like grass in the yard or anything. So I keep walking. I go down a set of steps and I find this little alleyway or something that's around the corner. And then I just and vomit all the way <laughs> the alley. And I was like just around the corner from the house. And I just vomit into the alley. Uh, a little bit more comes up once I let out the, the stuff that's oh. been sitting in my mouth. <laughs> and then I calmly walk back inside, fall asleep. Nice. And that's the whole story. Yeah. I, I was so, like, I literally held it in my mouth for at least 30 seconds. That is, that to that's me dedication. is the most impressive part of that story. I, well, yeah, because I don't, like, I, it doesn't gross me out that much. Mm. Like, I mean, obviously, I don't like it. I'm not like, mmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, there's that tuna salad I had earlier yeah. today. But, but, but I love yeah. to taste my meals twice. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like left, a cow left vomiting up its cud. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that it doesn't gross me out that much. So it wasn't eliciting like a horrific reaction right. uh-huh. and like a chain reaction. But it was pretty fucking gross. Uh-huh. And uh, that's, yeah, not my proudest moment. Yet simultaneously, a proud moment. <laughs> Not my proudest moment, but definitely a proud moment. Tyler, yeah. you got a quick one? No, I I had something pertaining to the fan fiction that I okay. got, that that I was kind of thinking about, and okay. I was like, this would be funny. I imagine like point. think of the, think of like the the SNL characters uh, uh, or cast members rather, like Keenan yes. Thompson. Where yes. does Keenan Thompson insert himself into this story? What is he doing? Uh, is he, who is he playing? Is I he feel like, like Steve Harvey? He is Brie Harvey Oswald. <laughs> Just it's it's Keenan Thompson I think dressed in he, a wig. Another Harvey. I mean, because yeah. his Steve Harvey is very plays good. Harvey's anymore. Um. So so Brie Harvey Oswald. Steve Harvey Oswald. Steve Harvey Oswald. Steve Harvey Oswald. Steve Harvey Oswald is in this club, <laughs> and he's like. Welcome to Family View. He's just judging people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time anyone does anything stupid, he just looks at the camera. He's like, "Oh, why the hell do you have that other shot, Seth Meyers?" <laughs> as he begins to turn into a new. And then the lady from the the loin bit. He's like, uh, "Name something that begins with the word pork." Binit loin, L I O N loin. And then, Steve Harvey's just like, oh my god. Yeah, Junice is in the corner, mm. like getting it on with her little tiny baby hands. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Gilly somewhere in the corner too. Kristen Wiig's like Gilly. Like, I just, I just like this universe Gilly. where an SNL extended the universe. SNL cinematic, cinematic yeah, and SNL, SNL Stefan universe, the SNL CU. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's everybody, all the SNL characters are real. <laughs> And then there's Seth and, Myers. And Seth Myers. And yeah. Seth Myers. <laughs> New York's hottest club is to clue the SNL 
Oh, no, I fucked it up. Snorkaloo. Why did I say that? Wow. wow. Like, I can't wait for the deep cuts. Of like, like uh, Jim Carrey's uh, Fire Marshal Bill showing up at some point. I want Jim Carrey's oh, yeah. Biden to be. Uh-huh. That's yeah, all that's of it. That's not SNL, actually. Wait, Fire Marshal Bill's not SNL? No. Was it Mad TV? No, not even What was that. it? That is In Living Color. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh, the other one. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Jim Carrey. That's where uh, Jim Carrey really got popular yeah. for a while, is on mm. In Living Color. I remember that. Oh. It was a sketch comedy show as well. Uh, and he, <laughs> the did other. A, he did a whole bunch of characters. Fire Marshal Bill, he did uh, this one Let like, me show you something. Russian female bodybuilder uh whole bunch of shit so if you want to if you want to see some jim carrey stuff and you like jim carrey that you probably haven't seen go watch some in living color sketches Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well wes give us one more shout out for this yeah yeah. this was a fan fiction by warrior poet the name was the answer to both your questions Mm. so thank you warrior poet this was freaking hilarious amazing and i'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on your work and looking for some more stuff because they are they are still writing they wrote something earlier this year uh even though this was written in 2011 they are keeping it up so i'm happy that you're still writing and i'm going to read some more of your stuff brilliant yeah well that seems to be all for us here this week uh rather than a random fandom we've got a new little game that we're going to play next episode Ooh, and, some new uh yes yeah, we're gonna try something new out it'll be a little bit of a creative uh another another version of a creative writing thing yeah, we're, we're excited to debut this next little little game in place of random fandom uh, and it and will also be able to involve some audience interaction yeah, exactly. on our social that's media that we pages. Hope we can get you in on. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. So, looking forward to playing that. But until next week, always remember: this is Captain Brown Pants <laughs> signing until off. Until next week, this is Captain Brown Pants signing off. And remember, shape shipmates, huh? stay strange. Yar. Yar. If you like what we're doing be sure to leave us a comment or review you can find us on facebook and instagram at stff podcast or make your way over to stffpodcast.com and if you really really like us consider subscribing to our patreon for more exclusive recordings like our minisodes and our off the page series thanks for listening <laughs>